I was just listening to your um, podcast and I just I had to say, I don't want to be insulting, but it really did turn into a dog's breakfast. It's <laughs> just terrible. Really? Oh, it was quite eclectic, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, I just... Oh, it, was, it was some lively conversation, but I just... Um, I'm not saying I'm anything perfect, but just it's time for people to start reali- realising the reality of the times we live in and the only person who is going to guide them through it and who has the answer. You can test and prove it. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's the only one who did anything for mankind of any note. He's the most famous person in history. In fact, in the year 2000, he was voted the most influential man in history, and that's Jesus. Not Buddha, not Allah, only the Lord Jesus Christ. You either believe in him and serve him, or you do not. It's simple. It's clear cut. What did you think? Even of, the, what did you think of SJ? Well, my heart goes out to her because I could hear that she was searching, yeah. and um, I was very encouraged. The fact that she had a godly grandmother, by the sounds, and I, I immediately wanted to communicate that, but with all the talk that was going on, I just couldn't. Was that SJ uh, or was that Ella? No, it was SJ. Okay. She said that her grandmother made her write a a note to God or uh, something every week. And I thought, well, this is interesting because Timothy in the Bible, a very important figure in the Bible, who was Paul's amanuensis, his representative in all the churches when Paul couldn't be there. And um, his faith came from his grandmother. It says here in Second Timothy, um, Second Timothy, uh, chapter one. Um, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience. We'll come back to that, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, of my hands, says Paul. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's the promise that we have in Jesus. Every other religion, faith, person is fretting. Am I not? I'm not fretting. I'm not afraid of anything in the power of the Lord Jesus. He says, fear not, for I'm with you. I'll never leave thee nor forsake you. But tonight's conversation was really about the Antichrist and um mm. I was most interested to listen to that. Um, that was Dr. David believe, Jeremiah, wasn't it? Yes, well, yes, you can't fault David Jeremiah. Um, he I'd, is pretty solid in I'd, all of this. I'd never uh, listened to him before until today, and I was quite mesmerized by listen, listening to him. I watched him there. I put the link to the video. Fascinating. I like the way he puts it across very, very um, well, he's, succinctly. He is a, yeah, he's very clear in his teaching, which we should be. We should be precise. It's called hermeneutic hygiene. So mm. an example is 
when someone says that the tribulation period is seven years, that is not correct. It's the second half of the 70th week. Oh, you yes. see what I'm saying? Yeah, Daniel's 70 so weeks. So 69 weeks, there's a pause, and we are in the pause, and then we go into the 60, the first half of the 70th week mentioned in Daniel. Hmm. And halfway through that is the start of the tribulation, a specific, specific point in time. The Antichrist puts himself in the temple and all hell breaks loose because the Jews realize, just like Jesus, Jesus didn't deny that he was the son of God. He, he didn't deny it. He admitted to it. He went out of his way to show them that he was, even healing with spit. What's that got to do with the price of fish? Well, spit in their oral traditions, no pun intended, the Messiah would have healing in his spit. He made a mud pack and healed a blind man. He put his fingers into his mouth and put the put his fingers in the guy's ears. A deaf mute. What's that all about? <laughs> Wouldn't you just say in the name of me, be healed? No, he never did it. And he said, present yourself to the priest. All of these things were designed to show that indeed he was God. God in the flesh, the third person of the Trinity, Jesus, um, God in flesh incarnate. So so why did I raise that point? Um, ah, I'm not sure why I raised the point. Can you remember? Um well, you didn't, yeah, you didn't yeah, like you the way that all, all, all the callers were all, were all talking over one another, weren't we? It was a bit hard oh, to... It was a shame that, 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 that everyone was keen to get a question in, mm. which is great. Um, however, we just need points of clarification. I mean, I'm not saying I'm right. I've got many points to add yet. Mm. But what I am saying is I do my homework. And where you see a so-called discrepancy in the Bible, there's not a discrepancy if you put the Lord Jesus in there. Like, understand where it says one verse which might appear to be a contradiction, and then when you look at the whole counsel of God, the, the whole Bible, you see that parts of the Old Testament explain those appearing in the New. Mm. Um, where Jesus says that he'll be lifted up and, and all men will will um, come to him, and he's talking about his physical death on the cross. If I be lifted up, the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, where does that occur in Scripture in the Old Testament? Mm. None other than Numbers 21, I think it is, where um, the children of Israel are engaged in a battle, and um, they start to lose the battle, but Moses is told to... Um, put a serpent on a pole, a brazen serpent, and he lifts it up, and the people that gaze on that pole um, are healed. And it's the same illustration. He says, Jesus actually qualifies that Moses wrote this, because he says, as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about his crucifixion. Yeah, It's incredible stuff. How, how God has written this in advance. These details confirmed in the New Testament uh, what was written in the Old. So it's a complete book. We had sparks Proven flying in the. We, we had sparks flying in the in the, the the chat as well. We've 
we had a, a national socialist, a person who doesn't believe the Jews that are in Jerusalem now are the proper rightful heirs, you know, the descendants. They doesn't believe they're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he, I think he's sort of pro-Hitler, actually. Um, he was pretty angry in the text there. And um, we had uh, all sorts of things happening, didn't we? We had a second in who's just breathed, very, very polite. I thought she was very good. And then we had Ella, who was... She was uh, um, a lovely spirit without condemnation. Mm. It, she was very nice. It all comes down to to what um, Carl said. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yeah. Um, is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father in heaven? Is through him. And it's it's this. It's a truth statement. Does one and one equal three? No. One and one equals two. There is no denying this. There's no way of proving otherwise. You either believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Um, you ask him to open up your life uh, to show himself to you, and he will reveal it. Um, if you pray to Buddha and you say, reveal yourself to me, it won't happen. It won't happen. I've this never seen any of videos of people saying that Buddha revealed himself to them. I've never, never seen that. I've seen Muslims come to Christ. Uh, I haven't yes. seen any videos where they say, you know, they they um, they met uh, Allah or Muhammad, exactly. and that he showed them the way of salvation. I've never never seen anything like that ever. All, all I see no. from the Islamic faith is just yep. uh, utter confusion and, and carnage. Uh, that's what yes. I see from it. You know, maybe I'm a bit one-eyed. That's absolutely. Uh, there's an excellent um, resource. Um, by well, you know that I respect Chuck Missler as a teacher, mm. and he he teams up with a group of people to discuss the expectations of the Antichrist, and he raises the issue of what the Masons are expecting, and he goes through uh, the figurines of Washington D.C. and New York City, including the Statue of Liberty, and all of these um, Masonic symbols. Yeah, oh, um, that you were discussing it. It's a very good resource called Expectations of the Antichrist. You should be able to watch the free video on khouse.org on their YouTube channel. Thank you. We'll have a look at that. Yeah. Very interesting. Expectations of the Antichrist. I found someone sent me, and it might have been you, I sent me a video. It was on Messenger, I think, and it just had the the buildings and symbols of Rome and Washington, D.C., and how similar they were. Almost they were identical. Oh, absolutely. And yes, they are built on, on that premise, yes, mm. no no doubt. And it made me think that perhaps the Antichrist will actually be uh, an American president. Uh, there is there's a lot of speculation. It's a uh, mm. very provocative conjecture. However, mm. you've got to look at the history. Now, the western arm of the, or put it this way, the eastern arm of the Roman Empire outlasted the western arm by 1,000 years. So to expect that the, that the Antichrist will be from Europe is very interesting because uh, why would that be the case when the eastern arm survived over 1,000 years longer than the western arm? Mm. But I do believe that the that the false prophet 
fits the bill of the Catholic Church. And it's interesting when you go to Europe, especially Rome, one of the symbols of the um, Bank of Rome, I believe, is a woman riding a beast. The Vatican Bank. and scarlet. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. fascinating. I didn't know that. Isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So you're saying there's so a Western man. arm and an Eastern arm? Yes, there were two arms of the Roman Empire. Oh, that's and right. And the Eastern yeah. arm. Yeah. Eastern arm outlasted the West by 1,000 years. So where did the it's a lot. The, the Eastern arm go? Who were those people? Oh, listen, you, um, it's a lot to explain it. Mm. Well, I think people would just have to do their own investigation, but that is the fact. Well, that, just uh, in a nutshell, that, sort of, the, the, who oh, the, who's the Western arm? Is that sort of like the, the Central Europe now or... Eastern Europe. That would be yes. That would fit the bill for um, for um, what we now would consider the base of the of the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. The, the European base. And the Western the Western arm. That's America. the Western arm. America. What we think is West. No, that's the, the West is is um, there's a distinction. Think of Middle East. Oh, okay. Syria, Assyria. Right, I'm with you. Those they they were. They were Roman provinces as mm. well. But the thing is, yeah. I brought it up with Carl, and he, he, sort of, um, he, he sort of felt that it was not in his area of expertise. But um, the, some people say the Antichrist will have to be a Jew. Well, most definitely. And others yes, say he's definitely. an Assyrian. What do you say? Uh, he'll be in, he, well, Assyrian is the background. But he will practice Judaism, as you said, and the only way he can get into the temple, even win the hearts of the Jews, is to have their faith. But it's a counterfeit faith. If you look at Islam, Islam is a counterfeit Judaism. Why? Because we see they say that their enemies are the people of the book. What book? The Jews and the Christians hold to one book, and that's the Holy Bible. And... So they, that's who their enemies are. So who would have written the Quran? Well, I tell you that Muhammad didn't write the Quran because if you look at their history, you'll find that two people wrote the Quran under point of bloodshed. One was an Armenian priest. They know about this in Armenia. Mm. And also the other one was a Jewish rabbi. You had to have a priest and a rabbi uh, to write a holy book, a so-called holy book, how do I know that the, that the Quran is a counterfeit of the Bible? Because it contains many of the same types of writing, but not quite the truth. If you look at the Antichrist, I know a Muslim terrorist from, uh, I don't know him personally, but I've met him, and he came from Nazareth, um, and he was raised as a... As a, um, uh, as a um, well, potential suicide bomber, put it that way. Mm. And his his mother found the Lord. Well, what happened is he said, I'll tear the Bible to shreds. I'll, I'll prove you wrong. So he started reading, and he especially read about the Antichrist, and he realized that everything they were being taught to expect in this Mahdi, this 12th imam, mm. um, this coming world leader, fitted the bill in the Bible, except everything that was painted as good 
about the 12th Mahdi or Imam mm. that they're expecting was the qualities of the Antichrist in the Bible. Right. It was totally opposite, holes apart. Bringing peace and then starting war. Exactly. Now, mm. the Antichrist is brilliant. He's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He has the powers to defeat, but these, these powers that are given to him by the ultimate power is like the, the angels in Revelation chapter 16. Who gave them authority? to bring all the diseases and the pestilence and plagues on the earth. God gave them the authority. Who ultimately gives authority to everything that's going on on the earth? God does. He's allowing it to happen for a reason. And um, so the saints on earth are the earth dwellers, amongst the earth dwellers are the ones that come to faith after the rapture. Why do I say after the rapture? Well, that was raised very very well, um, but we didn't quite go the full shot on that one because if we turn to Thessalonians, we see that uh, the Thessalonian church was very worried because Nero was persecuting them and killing them. It was a, a horrible persecution, and they believed because their knowledge of the rapture was what we would expect, a sudden appearing, a sudden taking away. Well, they thought they'd actually missed the rapture. They questioned Paul on this. Mm. And Paul wrote in, in Thessalonians, he went on to say um, that uh, I just need to read it because the first part talks about the coming of the Lord. Um, Thessalonians. Yeah, looking through the Bible. Mm, um, that's right. Yeah, so... Um, Let's see here, Second Thessalonians. Yeah, it's the great apostasy. Well, mm. that's that's the falling away. That's the that's the um, church falling away. It's a it's a physical thing that happens to the body of Christ where they are deceived, uh, and and it says that uh, even the elect can be deceived, but we are to. We are to be the ones that aren't caught like a thief in the night. So we're looking for the signs of the return of the Lord. These people are just going around. Some don't even talk about the Bible in church anymore. The Bible has become a thing of hate speech. And the rapture, well, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what I'm saying. Mm. Anyway, let's have a look at what the scriptures say. Now, Paul was greatly shocked by their questions because he says, um, it says, uh, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That is a physical falling away, an apostasy. Uh, what day is he referring and to? The day of the Lord. He's referring oh, okay. to, um, well, I believe that's a reference to the rapture, the taking up of the church. Okay. Um, but he says, it goes on to say, um, he doesn't say that we will see, as in the church, he says that <clears throat> uh, that the falling away comes first and then the man of sin is revealed, the, sin, the son of perdition. That is the Antichrist, no doubt about it. Mm. And he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God. And by the way, the temple of God, the, the, the temple that is is going to be during the tribulation, 
They have the plans for it. They've built all the treasures for it. They've even tried to sacrifice on the altar. They've even built the altar, would you believe it? This is all happening in Israel. They're ready to have that temple as constructed. We, as we speak. That's how close we are. Mm. And, and we know it's a physical reality because Paul talks about, um, Paul writing this letter talks about a temple. We know it's a future temple. Jesus talks about um, the abomination desolation. And we have Daniel talking about the abomination of desolation mm. and John. So we have four references right there, historical facts confirmed, um, such as the prophecies pattern in uh, Judaism. So you understand in Greek thought, it's prediction. So um, Nostradamus, let's use him as an example. He's a non-biblical figure, but he, he wrote down that he would see that we, we would see a person called Adolf Hister. He didn't name him Hitler. He actually called him Hister. So he, did he have a vision of some pro sort of prophecy? That was a prediction that then came true, that the Bible is written in pattern. So, for example, um, you see uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. He was the king that sacrificed the pig on the altar. They call him the abomination of desolation. And when Jesus talks about the same thing happening, he's not referring to something that's past. He's referring to something that's future. Right. You see, it's going to happen again. Yeah. They're going to desecrate the temple. Now, why did the Jews hate Jesus? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the Jewish leadership strove to, I'm not talking about the Jews as a people, mm. talking about we all crucified the Lord. If I was there, I'd have done the same thing, I'm sure of it. But the leadership was responsible. And that's when it says the Jews, they're talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those that trumped up charges. That's when it says the Jews crucified Jesus. It's been blown out of proportion so much. It, it even caused the Holocaust, for goodness sakes. So, so we see um, uh, and, you know, he we, has to appeal to the Jews. And, and when he launches himself as God, mm. they say the same thing they said to Jesus, blasphemy. And then war begins between the Jews and the Antichrist. Where are the saints at that time? Well, I believe it's totally clear that we are not there. The saints of present day, not there. Why? Because um, we are earth dwellers only temporarily. It says that... The tribulation comes on the earth dwellers. We are not of that ilk. We are heaven dwellers. And an illustration of this, the most graphic illustration is, is um, of the rapture. And the word is, is haposa. Um, I think that says uh, in Hebrew, the sudden taking away. It's a gathering. It's a, it's a translation, if you like. Mm. Um, translated. There are seven of them mm. translated, translated but, um, into the kingdom of God. Is to be taken up, mm. to be taken up. This is why people say that the rapture is not in the Bible. It is in the Latin Bible. Mm. So in is, Latin, the word is just a different translation of translate. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, yeah. it's um, it's it's written in the English. Mm. The sudden taking away. That, mm, that they'll up. be left and some will be taken. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, Enoch was raptured. 
it doesn't actually say he was raptured. It says he was taken suddenly up into heaven yeah. on the chariot, yeah. you know. So that's a rapture, uh, not, isn't it? That's not, what we not, call not, an not event was, of yeah. a rapture. Yeah, and yeah. It's a rapture mm. um, illustration. Yeah, yeah, there's seven of them actually in the Bible. But um, my point is this. If the Holy Spirit lives in us, um, then we ought to think that we're going to go with him, and we need to be excited by that, not trying to escape what's happening on the earth. We are supposed to be strangers in this world, sojourning, passing through, like Jesus sojourned in Egypt. Egypt is a form of the world. My son I called out of Egypt. Mm. Nothing good came out of Egypt. We talk about Ishmael. Well, who was Ishmael's um, mother? An Egyptian handmaiden. An Egyptian handmaiden. And God in his mercy gave 12 tribes to Ishmael. And where are these 12 tribes? Well, they are now the Muslim faith. Why? Because he teamed up with with um, his um, uncle, I believe, was um, uh, Esau, oh. Jacob and Esau. So he teamed up, and that's where the, the, the Muslim faith came from. And so we have this, we have this, um, clash between Islam and Judaism. You mean the now Arabs, this Antichrist? The, is that where the Arabs came from? You mean? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. They, they were a wandering peoples. Yeah. In the in the, their father was Abraham. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's about it. Um, Abraham's God was the Lord God of Israel, not the God served by Allah. They only have are served by the Muslims today. He's not the Moon God. So they weren't the children they of the made promise. The moon. The, 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 they are the children of the promise, the, the people of Israel. And, and Israel, I, yeah. I didn't write the rules. Mm. I didn't write the rules. No. That's what the book says. Now, even in, even the Quran admits this. Would you believe this? And there's fighting amongst Muslims over this too. Muslim clerics, educated Muslim people, don't dispute that the that God gave the land to the children of Israel. That's actually written in the Quran. Would wow. you believe it? Didn't and, and they don't dispute it because the end times is a different matter. Their interpretation, well, you can interpret anyway, but it actually says that the, the land was given by God to the children of Israel. They don't dispute it. But they obviously don't know their own Quran because it says that. And so... Um, there's been this war for good. Um, it's a counterfeit. If you look at their symbols, what do they wear? They wear bandanas or they wear um, armbands. And their call to prayer is a, is a, is a, is a prayer cry, is a, is a call to prayer. It's exactly like the Shafar. Uh-huh. It's exactly like the Shafar. And the Jews wore um armbands, and they had scripture tied to their heads. It's an absolute copy mm. of the Judaic faith. Now, what's that got to do with anything? Isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? And throughout history, um, this is a guarantee this is going to happen because the Jewish wedding fits the pattern. It's like this, John 14, 1 to 3. I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. Um I go there to prepare a place for you. I haven't got it in front of me, but, um, you know, it says um, that um, 
if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. So that's our blessed hope. But if you read that and you understand what he's talking about, the church is the bride, right? Christ is the groom. The Father is God the Father. Now, the price is paid, the dowry, to purchase the bride. That's what happens. And so Jesus represents the, the groom. He died to purchase the bride. Do you understand that? And then the wedding follows out this way, exactly as, as Scripture does, because it goes like this. The father's house is away, and the groom goes to prepare a future house for him and his wife. Then the bride waits in expectation for the groom to come at any time, any moment, in the twinkling of an eye, if you like. And the virgins that are attending have to carry the oil and have their lights burning, their lamps burning in preparation for the return of the groom. And then the groom comes back, and it's usually in the middle of the night, would you believe it? Usually in the middle of the night, he comes suddenly and unexpectedly, and then the wedding is performed, and the groom takes his new bride, they married, and returns to the father's house to to um, take up dwelling there for a, as a couple. For, for a supper. Ex that's when the marriage supper happens, yes, mm. indeed. Mm. And so where's how's that fit the pattern? Well... Uh, it says appointed unto man once and then the judgment. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a Christian, that means the judgment of rewards. You're going to be with God in heaven. It's a judgment of rewards. It's called the beamer seat of Christ. It's not a, an issue of salvation. It's an issue of reward. How faithful were you to the Lord in this life? Because for since faithfulness, you a he Christian. could have is, is that right? Since exactly. Mm. Yes, what since you, you were saved, mm. you're exactly what was your purpose? What are we here for? Why Why were we called? What were we called to? And if I've, I've got an old saying, Chuck always said this, if you're going to a church that doesn't do what the Bible says to equip you for the ministry that God has for you, then you're wasting your time. Mm. <laughs> you should leave that church because it's not doing what its mandate says. Um, in Ephesians, we're told that um, pastors... Um, Prophets, evangelists, teachers, um, they all, their role is to prepare the saints for, uh, equip the saints for the ministry. That, so that's what they should be doing. And if they're not doing that, there's a problem. I always thought evangelists are the ones that went out and evangelized, but they just, they're there to equip the saints, to equip the Christians well, in the church it's, to it's an, it's do an, the work. Yeah. It's an overall team effort. Mm. They're part of the cog. Mm. Because you think about um, the famous people throughout the ages. Billy Graham um, came to faith at a Sunday school um, gathering. And he heard, I think it was Billy Sunday, someone else. Um, I, I don't know just at offhand, but there's a chain of gold, we call it. And it's it's passing down um, the mantle, if you like. And so we have 
a revivalist in um it started in this is billy graham's story it started in um wales and that welsh revival and it went down right to the time that billy graham in america heard the gospel and then he started to be an evangelist so goodness knows how many others were equipped for the ministry their evangelization through billy graham that's just one example you just never know when you're saying the right word you just have to listen to god's voice and it can start up a whole ministry um yeah so so we're all part of that bundle but the thing is jesus is going to ask the question did you do what i said to do why not why should i even let you in here and carl was right hopefully you'll be able to say because of the nail scars in your hands and feet that's why you're letting me in here nothing i did but i talk about these crowns one of the crowns is to is the rapture to love his appearing and it says in second timothy 4 uh, verse 8 there remains a crown of righteousness for me that's paul but not also not only for me but for also also for all of those who love his appearing and appearing is epiphanos sudden sudden appearing it's it's uh, the same word is used when that great shepherd of the sheep appears he's going to appear and hand out rewards and one of the rewards for the for looking for the rapture is is a crown of righteousness now there are actually five crowns in the bible that god can give you people say well that's just allegory well if it's allegory then let's have a look at um, revelation and it says that the 24 elders in heaven cast their crowns before the throne of god on the sea on the glassy sea now where are those crowns what are those crowns if you don't have one of those crowns then what do you cast it at the lord's feet you can't and how do we know that they are the, that that 24 elders represent the church well in revelation chapter 4 up to chapter 3 the church is present we've got the letters the epistles that jesus wrote specifically to seven churches each with the message what i don't like and what you're doing well and the only church that had nothing bad said about it was doing everything well was philadelphia everyone wants to have brotherly love philadelphia so anyway um chapter four says that john was caught up that's the word raptured translated up to heaven he was caught up and um he he describes what it's like in the throne room of god and he says there were 24 elders and if you look carefully he says it says that they are kings and priests to serve their god it's a specific title there's only three people in the bible with that title first one is melchizedek he's the priest of of and king of salem jerusalem and he served uh, he served communion uh, bread and wine and a tithe was given to him from abraham so he was a, a priest and a king then we have jesus christ he was a king and priest in the order of melchizedek now at jesus's birth what was served to him three gifts were given to him first one was gold second one was frankincense and the third one was myrrh 
Now, what do they represent? First one, gold, is kingship. Second one is frankincense, which is spice, which is, is, is priest. It's what a priest does, performs. And uh, the third one was myrrh, which is an embalming ointment. That represents his death. But how do we know that myrrh is done away with? Well, if you look in Isaiah, I think it's um, the first part is in Isaiah. It says that they carry gifts of gold and frankincense to the king in Israel. So the king is obviously Jesus. And um, that's in in Jerusalem. They have to go up on holy days, um, specifically the Feast of Tabernacles. And then we go over to um, Zechariah. And uh, Zechariah tells us that um, they come and present these gifts at the Feast of Tabernacles. And if God doesn't control the weather, climate change, then I have to reread my Bible because Hmm. it says that if they don't go up there, that's the world leaders, the ones that are left after they've come up to, to for the Armageddon War against Jerusalem, they come up to destroy the city of God and have a battle. This is the Armageddon battle, right? That's the final battle. If you read Psalm 2, they actually think that they can defeat the God of the universe. Read Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and imagine a vain thing? Mm. That they actually think they can defeat God. And he laughs at them from heaven. Do you think that's what that so, verse is about, about Armageddon? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it's alluding to the fact mm. it's, uh, yeah, God laughs at the nations now. It makes but sense. But they actually will, yeah. Oh, now, there's another he, thing. Doesn't he say that they, they're in array? We have some in derision. Where? Psalm 2? Yeah. Derision. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We should read that yeah. because it's, um, yeah, but we'll let the listener have a look at Psalm 2 because you'll mm. see that it's a conversation between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. Look carefully and you'll see it. I've had people um, from the cult say, you know, why would God be speaking? They don't believe the Trinity. They say, why would God speak to himself? Listen, the Trinity's a mystery. Mm. Like the church was a mystery. Look, you, it's very hard to understand God. How do we know God? We won't know him fully until we appear before him. Yeah. And we'll all be like him. Only those that have accepted him as their Lord. This is the number one thing. Mm. You, and as for people who, like, the poor people who, and the pygmies and everything who have never heard of Jesus, there is no excuse because they recognize a creator. And we're accountable to our creator, according to Romans chapter 1, for our conscience, our conscience, our very um, observation that this world is created. If we acknowledge him as creator, that's what he uses to judge us. That's incredible stuff. For the Christian who's enlightened, uh, who has received the Lord, there is no excuse. They have come to faith that way. But those people are without excuse who have never heard the utterance of Jesus. They know there's a creator. And, and I nearly said tonight, I said, how do you know there is such a thing as sin? Does your conscience not tell you? Mm. I've never seen a thief stay at the scene of a, of a crime I've never seen a murderer or heard of a murderer who 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 doesn't run from the scene 
In fact, if I if I knew any murderer who stood at the scene and waited for the police to come along and the police say, we're arresting you for the murder of that man there, and the person says, what murder? Um, you see, it's in our conscience. We know when we've done wrong. We know it. Our conscience can be seared. However, the true um, representation of God is the fact that there is good and evil, knowledge of good and evil. God is good, add a no to God, and you've got good. Add a D to evil, and you've got devil. Good versus evil, God versus the devil. It's so simple. Mm. It's there, the seed war. Even children can understand and it, can't so, they? The simple words, simple language. But it's hard. We should understand it as a child hmm. <laughs> because that's how we're supposed to come to the Father. He, he expects us not to be prideful, to be humble. To He accepts the humble. And it's interesting, this. Um, Acts 10, 34, 35 says that the nation that fears him is accepted by him. That's the number one thing, to serve God with fear and trembling, not to be scared of him to respect him as God. What he says goes. We have no argument against that. And, um, and why do we... We love him because he first loved us. He gave his life for us. He's the only one who demonstrated. He, I asked the Lord, how much do you love me? Did I ask Buddha, how much do you love me? No, Buddha didn't demonstrate his love. He demonst Jesus demonstrated his love for me, and he died on a cross. And he rose again to save me. How do I know he rose again? The evidence is overwhelming that he rose again. And I'll let people look at books like um, uh, Lee Strobel's The Case for the Cross and The Case for Faith. And he was a man who was adamant against Christianity, but he was a forensic journalist. And he investigated, as others have done, to 100%. No wiggle room there in the court of law you could prove that Jesus rose from the dead. All the evidence is there. Eyewitness testimony. It's the difference with the Bible and the Quran. It's written as an eyewitness testimony. Hmm. When you see when you see stories, so-called stories, um, of the three faithful young men who were placed in the fire, what did they say to Nebuchadnezzar? Our God may deliver us, but he might not. But we will still obey him. And he, they threw him and they threw the, those young men in, in a rage into the fire. But he said, heat the furnace seven times hotter. And so the guards did that. And they it says graphically, this is an eyewitness description, that the guards burnt up when they stood next to the furnace. It was that hot. You normally wouldn't write like that. It's the same with um, uh, when uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead and they mocked Jesus. They said, oh, he, he's been dead six days. If I'd been the Lord, I'd have said precisely. That's what I wanted. Was it six I days? Wanted I thought it was die. three days. Um, oh, no, it was a total of six days because oh. um, he, he, took, he took some time to journey there. Oh, okay. So, so although he died... Have a look at it. Hmm. I haven't got it in front of me. I might be wrong, but it was long enough that Jesus delayed because they said, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. Precisely. They said, we can't 
roll the stone away. We can't because he will stink. <laughs> He's been in the desert heat. It's exactly what God wanted to happen. That's why? why delayed. Because, mm. Yes, because he to, wanted to show the, the miracle. corpse to smell. Mm. To show the miracle. Mm. Otherwise, people would say, oh, they just wrapped him as a mummy and put him in there to make it look like he was dead. No, he stank. <laughs> oh, he, I see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he stank. It was an eyewitness account. Mm. Behold, he stinketh. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, uh, so, so what happened with the obedience and the, the eyewitness testimony of these three young men? He, um, Nebuchadnezzar said there is no God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said you will all serve him. This is Nebuchadnezzar himself. And then he went on to write, I kid you not, read Daniel chapter 4, you will see that the first line say, I, King Nebuchadnezzar. He wrote under the testimony from the witness of those three young men. And it won the heart. That obedience won the heart. To obey is better than sacrifice. So no matter what, we, we, I don't know of any other faith that has that confidence. And I'm so glad that God showed us the way. I, I don't know how I would cope uh, without, without um, faith. He's my best friend. That's how it should be. <laughs> he's my king, but he's also my best friend. And we let our best friend down sometimes. But, um, you know, yeah. Well, thank and, you, John G. That was very enlightening. You should have been on, well, you should have been on the podcast earlier. I would like to have, but um, the thing is, we've got to be sensitive to a lot of different beliefs. Mm. And um, Pastor Carl did a wonderful job. Mm. And I'm not correcting him. I'm just... Um, saying that uh, we are to um, live with the doctrine of imminency at any moment. But that's not an escapist mentality, Grant. It is, it is a joyful um, booster, if you like. It's an incentive to get the job done before he comes back so that he can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Well, that's, a, that's what that's we're looking for. Preach the gospel. Mm. Yeah, and so these people in Thessalonica, I'll just leave this with okay. you. Yeah, thanks. They were worried that they'd missed the rapture. And then he says, um, uh, do you remember that when I was still with you, that's Paul, mm. I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Indeed, the Antichrist is already amongst us. His spirit is everywhere. But we don't know who he is. And I don't, I'm not looking to find out who the Antichrist is. I'm looking to the return of the Lord and as a motivation to use every opportunity that he gives me for his eternal purposes. I want to be like a virus, take as many people with me as possible. <laughs> <laughs> for good. <laughs> So he who now restrains, that is the Holy Spirit, will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Mm. The rapture first, then the lawless one will be revealed. All hell will break loose. Whom, and how do we know it's the Antichrist he's talking about? Because it says, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. 
That is the Antichrist, and he's going to be destroyed. It has to be that way. There's no confusion over who he is. He's empowered by the dragon, that serpent of old, the devil. That's what yeah. chapter 12 says. It even says, says that clearly. No, and not China. Yeah, I know they go on about <laughs> China and, you know, yeah. and... It's so, just if they just so, read the Bible, just keep reading, and it, it, it answers it. It answers your questions. And 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 there's a lot of poetry in the Bible, but mm. I can say that things like this. It says, "When um, uh, he will, the Lord of Righteousness will have healing in his wings." Mm. Right? Did Jesus have wings? No, he didn't have physical wings, but he wore a prayer shawl. And the four corners of that garment are called the wings of the garment. Oh, interesting. And we know that the, that the healing in the Bible, they sought healing by touching his garment, ah, the edge of his garment. Very good, John. That's the wings, healing in his wings. So that's the hope we have. You can take it literally. In fact, all the prophets in the Bible took Scripture literally. Daniel, he quoted uh, Jeremiah when the 70 years is up. God said that he would redeem his people out of Babylon. And it's exactly what Daniel was praying for. He prayed that scripture mm. and he was quoting Jeremiah. So he took it literally. And we must take it literally. When it says he's going to consume the Antichrist, you can absolutely trust he's going to consume the Antichrist. Have no fear. He's in control. <laughs> Anyone who's listening tonight, I pray that you earnestly seek God. Ask him whoever he is to you, to show himself to you, and he will reveal himself to you. Get that Bible, dust it off the shelf. <laughs> I know it's on there because it's the most purchased book and least read. But for people who have had a faith in their past, you can come back to him. Don't turn your back on him. He's never turned his back on you. But there's a point where he says enough already. If he's tried to reach you hundreds and hundreds of times, there's a point when he is going to say, I'm now going to return for my own. And they will see me. I'm returning for them. They come to be where I am. And then I come back. And you don't want to be on the earth when he comes back after the tribulation period because that is going to be the worst period in the history of the world. You do not want to be under the judgment of God. Now is the day of salvation today not tomorrow not yesterday today so earnestly seek him while he may be found so that's my prayer for anyone listening may the love of the lord go with you